Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I am your host, Rick Wolf. Well, I thought on this uh, soggy Sunday morning, we would focus on perhaps the biggest and most disruptive issue in youth and amateur sports today. No, I'm not talking about concussions, nor am I talking about uh, college recruiting scandals, or am I talking about social media concerns. Rather, I'm talking about the role of the typical sports parent these days and how that role has changed and evolved so dramatically over the last 20 or 25 years. You know, when I was preparing for the show this morning, I started to reflect on what has become, what has had the biggest impact on our kids and sports. And yes, even though there have been significant developments in terms of travel teams and early age specialization and so on, I still think the biggest change has been with the role of the parent and how, how moms and dads have become so fully ingrained and so fully involved in their kids' world of sports. And specifically, a lot of it boils down to dealing with parental expectations for their athletic youngsters. Now, think about that. In today's current sports environment, I would dare say, I don't have any actual stats on this, but I would dare say that 80 to 90% of all sports headlines deal in some way with disruptive parents who feel that their kid has somehow been wronged. And we're finding all the time that the coaches are quitting their jobs or being let go. Often it's because some parents didn't like Uh, the the lack of playing time that their son or daughter was getting on that coach's team. Fans in the stands at youth games verbally abusing the refs or officials, well, most often those obnoxious fans are the parents of the kids who feel that they're being shortchanged by those those refs' calls. And in too many cases, moms and dads who feel their, their kid has been wronged or slighted by a sports program, they'll take action, sometimes even legal action, to, to correct what they feel, whatever is causing or ruining their kid's athletic career. Now, look, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, back in the 70s and the 80s, yeah, there were a few disruptive parents at their kids' youth games, but those incidents were f- relatively, you know, rare. But these days, well, <laughs> it is a whole new ball game. I want to talk today about this issue, about how coaches and how parents – need to sort of rein in parental expectations. Uh, the, the, the kids are in the middle. The kids are just going out trying to have fun and, and play up to their potential. But parental expectations, I think that's, that is sort of like the really the epicenter of what's going on uh, in terms of sports today with our children. Uh, our toll-free line here, of course, is one 337 6666 That is brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities are what you at Mohegan Sun planned your stay at mohegansun.com. You know, I, I have to tell you, there, there's something has to be done because we're sort of barreling down this highway of trying to cope with parental expectations. 
and we're going to have to do something to set up either stronger or more productive guidelines for moms and dads, even grandparents, when it comes to their behavior regarding their kids in sports. The time has come to figure out a way to deal with these angry and hostile parents who really do believe the reason why their kid isn't a superstar is because the coach doesn't share the same vision of, of the parent. And it's up to the parent to get the coach straightened out. That's how a lot of moms and dads feel about this. I mean, let's start with, for example, the whole concept that everybody should get equal playing time. You know, maybe the problem is that, you know, at the very young ages, when kids are just starting out in sports, I'm talking about, you know, elementary school ages, you know, everyone plays equally. That's a given. And that's the mentality, apparently, that seems to carry on right up the ladder into high school varsity years, or apparently that's what a lot of parents think. Now, look, clearly, once your youngster gets to the varsity level, the best players play. But perhaps too many moms and dads are still working under the same elementary school belief that all kids should play equally. That's not the way it is. It's the head coach, of course, at the varsity who decides who plays and for how long in each game and who starts. But that's where a lot, unfortunately, a lot of parents take deep, deep exception. And that's why I think a lot of the, the, the concerns I mentioned, a lot of the headlines and concerns and friction all bubble up from that parental expectation not matching up with the coach, how the coach evaluates their son or daughter. one 337 6666 Let's start uh, this morning with uh, Jack over in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Jack, good morning. You're on the fan. Hi, Rick. How are you? Good, Jack. How are you doing? First of all, great topic. Second of all, off topic, I just bought your book yesterday. I started reading it, and I can't put it down. Oh, wonderful, so, wonderful. Uh, I read every mental book you can imagine, from the mental game of baseball to psyching out everything. It's, it's a great topic. But Thanks. this topic, this is a great topic. I was waiting for you to do this. And um, I coach for, as you know, I call in very often, as much as I can, because most of your topics are, are a really good topic. And I coached for 42 years. I started coaching in the, in the mid-70s. And I'm still coaching today, but privately. Um, but I've, had, uh, I've coached at three schools in softball, and that's my claim to fame is softball and baseball. And I'm in one school hall of fame, and that school, uh, Farallon, my alma mater, you know, I was fired or let go or resigned because of parental pressures. Right. And we have coaches have the same aspirations, the same beliefs as the parents do. But when it comes time to come down and make that real decision, you know, they don't always agree. I mean, I want every player on my field to get to the highest level, to be the greatest person they can be socially, mentally, physically, emotionally. And that should be the goal of every coach. And it is a, it is a goal of mine. One of the things that I did, and I mentioned this on one of your uh, one of your previous shows, is I made a contract. I yes. wrote a contract out, and the parent and the student had to sign the contract. All the contract copies were given to my athletic director, and hopefully, copy to the principal. And the the problem I feel, or the way to fix the parental problems, in my eyes, is to have administrators with backbones administrators that actually will look into the problem instead of just siding with the parents most of the time. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, as a coach, 
I've had that many times. I've had, you know, I mean, I can tell you stories, Rick, that will make your hair fall out. I mean, I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I'm completely bald, so mine's already falling out. So, <laughs> but, but it's, it's the greatest topic that you've been in in a long time. You know, the concussions and everything are good, but this you are absolutely 100% correct. Something has to be done, and the contracts helped because at that particular school, I had an administrator, an athletic director, who had backbone, yeah. who actually sat down, evaluated what the parent was saying. It forgot that high. Yep. All right? Most of the time it did it with contracts because most of the parents fulfilled the contract. All right? But once again, you know, we see, we want the same thing as the parent. I, I want to make I, every single kid on that field great. I, Jack, I, yeah, as you know, we've talked about this before. I know you mentioned the contracts, and that's something that still has great, great power because of nothing else. And, and Jack, thank you so much for your kind comments. You're, you're on my more book than and, welcome. And thank you for the comments on my show. But uh, thank you, um, and, and take care. You know, that, that's, that's what – and Jack speaks from experience. The fact is, and parents have to understand this, that the coaches – uh, are, yes, as Jack says, the coaches there want every kid in their team to go out and to progress and, and to basically play to the level of their potential, even if that means taking going on to play in college or whatever. Uh, and I think that's often overlooked. But at the same time, the parents have to give the coach a little leeway and understand that, you know, we, we, know, you, we, we know you know what you're doing, and, and the fact is just because maybe my kid's not a starter or not, or not uh, making all league, Okay, I accept that. Let's figure out a way to, to you know, have him work on his skills to get him better. But again, the parents today they're so they're so invested with, with what's going on with their children, uh, and and get so frustrated that the kid is not being a, seen as a superstar that they feel like, okay, I I'm I'm a, I'm a taxpayer. I have every right to go and complain. And uh, as Jack said, sometimes the the administration administration doesn't really back up the coach, and that causes real ill will as well. And these are real. These are real everyday issues when it comes to, to you know, kids, our kids in sports. Um, let's uh, let's go over to uh, to our friend Mike over in East, East Rockaway. Hi, Mike. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Always a pleasure. Yes, I'm tuning into your show uh, 15 years now, every Sunday morning. That a boy. Um, yeah. And I even have to text uh, my old coach, Bob Hirschfield. He's in southwest Florida. Say hello to him today. Mm-hmm. You know, Rick? Uh, my son graduated college last year. He was a starting wide receiver, a good school upstate. Played three sports in high school. Uh, my nephew played three sports in high school and others. I've been saying for years, I actually write a book on the parents of the ball fields. Uh, my dad, rest his soul, uh, gone almost two years. would have been 90. The expression I used to dad watching his grandkids was, Dad, the faces may change, but the stuff, you know what, stays the same. Uh, it has become so uh, uh, overbearing when I watch friends' kids uh, on the football gridiron in the basketball gymnasium. That's when it's the worst because the voices reverberate. Moms and dads get so caught up into thinking that their son or daughter will be Division One. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and they become vocal travel teams, Rick. As you know, as a college baseball coach, uh, and what you've seen over the years, I played some college ball. What I've seen. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. It is uh, horrendous. And many on your show uh, recognize many uh, high school varsity coaches and, and even college coaches have had enough. Email or, or no communication with the parents because uh, 
it has become uh, almost like a uh, the theater of the absurd, Rick. You know, uh, you know, Mike, it, it really is. And and, uh, and and well, first of all, th- thank you. Uh, you know, for your nice loyalty to my show. Oh, sure, sure. But, you know, Mike, the thing is, somehow the parents. <laughs> Who used to basically, you know, sit in the, or stand in the background and and applauded, yep. but did not were not vocal uh, in any way. Now all of a sudden, whether it's because they've invested so much in their kids with travel programs and it's real money or real time or who knows what, right? They feel and I don't I, I I hesitate to use this term, but it's sort of the the word I want to use is a sense of entitlement that they're entitled mm-hmm. to 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 go to coaches or to athletic directors or to the school boards and say, look, this isn't fair. My kid is a superstar outside yep. of school on, a, on his travel program, but he comes here and your dumb coach doesn't even start him. And that, <laughs> uh, that's, that, that's, that's got to stop. I mean, I, and yep. I, you know, we also know uh, that, that a lot of the coaches, good coaches in high school are just getting fed up and saying, you know what, I'm just going to walk away from this. I'm just going to go and uh, uh, join a travel team myself Thereby, I don't, yep. I don't have to deal with um, administration or protocol or being reviewed by an athletic director. And, and if, uh, if a parent is in my face about their kid or my travel team, I can just say to the parent, you know what? This is not working out. I'm just going to refund my, uh, your, your money to you. You can take yes. your son or daughter and go someplace else, but I don't want them on the team anymore. That's it. And, and I've seen the conduct of watching my nephew. He's a junior and a good uh, basketball uh, player out in Suffolk County. He's the last of, of the family. Um, and I just listen and watch. Uh, I watch everything. Referees, then the conduct of the parents. I, I knew eventually, Rick, you'd have a show like this. And I got to shoot this at you real quick. You got people on deck. I remember watching, uh, I didn't know you at the time, but Hirsch, ACBL 1973 at Baldwin Park, night games. How about that? <laughs> That's going <cool. laughs> All right, Rick. Uh, <laughs> All the best, and uh, and uh, I'll be listening and tuned in like I always do on Sunday, Rick. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Boy, that's that's a trip down memory lane going back to the ACBL and my competing against Bob Hirschfeld, who, of course, was a star uh, at St. John's and was a, a longtime successful coach at New York Tech. But, but Mike's point is well taken. I mean, we're, we're really sort of focusing focusing on this topic of, of parental expectations and when the parental expectations and look let's be let's be candid here we all think our kids are a little bit better looking a little bit taller a little smarter than everybody else but the fact is we're the parents we're supposed to feel that way the problems erupt when we take our personal feelings and sense of evaluation of our own kids and begin to sort of transpose them onto coaches and and that's where we do have so many issues and it's it's we got to stop it it's it's simple as that Okay, let me take a pause. When I come back after Dave Uram's update, I'll go right back to your calls at one 337 And back here on the Sports Edge, uh, well, calling all fishermen. Uh, come on out to the All-Pro Fishing Expo and Seminar today in Melville, Long Island. You can shop the merchants, sit in on the seminars, and check out the boats. Paul Ebert, uh, the captain of the Wicked Tuna, will be signing autographs there from 9 to 2 and then you'll get to meet our very own Greg Giannotti from 2 to 4. You can talk some fishing and win some free giveaways from the WFAN Fan Van. You can buy tickets online at allproexpo.com. That's allproexpo.com. Enter the promo code WFAN for 10% off. This morning we're talking about the issue of uh, parental expectations. And again, I think I've really sort of zeroed in on what's happening with parents and coaches today and our kids. 
and why we're having so many issues. We see coaches walking away or coaches being fired, and we all sort of assume that the parents are at the bottom of this trying to figure out, well, how come my kid was a star when they were in middle school or they were a, they're a star on their outside travel program, uh, and now when they get to the varsity level, they're not a star anymore, or they're sitting on the bench, or they're not making all all section, or they're not getting recruited, or whatever issue may be. And the parents, we know this has been bubbling up, and it doesn't seem to have show any sign of abating. The parents are basically complaining, either to the coaches, to the athletic directors, to the school board, whatever it may be. And we, the time has come to figure out a way to sort of corral this and, and figure out how we can make it go away or stop. one uh, 337 Let's go over to uh, Anthony in New Yorktown Heights. Anthony, good morning. You're on the fan. Morning, Rick. Rick, I think it's reaching a tipping point. There was a front-page article in the Journal News about Scarsdale High School this week. Uh, they've had seven coaches, varsity head coaches, fired in the last year. Baseball coach, ice hockey. Anthony, I may, let me stop you right there. We covered that two weeks ago uh, when uh, about the Scarsdale incident. And, and uh, you know, it, it's it was... Scarsdale well, is, is a real issue, and I'm glad the Journal News had a chance one, to, to, to follow up. One more up. thing. They're going straight to the uh, superintendent also. And, uh, oh, he cut me off. No, I didn't cut you off. <laughs> He's still there? Yeah. And the other thing, second, there's a national shortage in officials, sports officials. Uh, and Referee Magazine had a poll, and the number one reason officials, uh, it, what is it, 70% of officials don't return for a third season, mm-hmm. and they cite parents as the number one reason. Well, the, act, the average age nationally for a high school varsity basketball official is 56 years old, and they're having games that actually have to be canceled or rescheduled, and the number one reason is they just don't want to take, it's not coach abuse, and it's not player abuse, it's parental abuse from the stands. Correct, Anthony. That's why I mentioned, you know, before, and, and thank you for the call as always, sure. but, you know, but the fact is that, you know, that's part of the, the fallout. The, the coaches and referees, we see a, a real concern to fill the ranks because they, too, are being abused by parents who feel that the coaches, or, or I should say the referees or umpires' calls are going against their kid, and therefore they feel they have every right to, to, to lash out at the refs or uh, officials during the course of the game. That's that's got to stop as well. Let's go to uh, let's go to Vernon over in actually here in Manhattan. Vernon, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I have a suggestion that might help in this issue. Uh, the school board needs to get together with the coach to discuss things privately first and draw up uh, some type of form to sign for the parents. Then have a meeting with the parents in a room to discuss things before the sports season starts. Mm-hmm. Failure of the parent to show up, that kid cannot play. Right. When you discuss things back and forth, things get ironed out, and the parents have to sign the forms. Well, this is something that Jack had called from New Jersey earlier about this. He used contracts for years when he was coaching. And, yeah, I do think contracts, were, to your point— there's a preseason meeting with the coach and the parents yes. and the kids, and if the parents don't show, well, the kid's not going to be able to play because the parents didn't care enough to come you know, sit in and have the interaction with the coach. I also believe, Vernon, that if it can be done during the middle of the season, uh, there should be a, a, a secondary meeting along those same lines because all this happens in preseason. Once the season gets going, things do change. But to have a meeting midway through the season where, again, the coach sits down with the parents and the kids and say, let's talk about this, 
here's and you know if the coach is at least being candid and honest, then at least yeah. he, he's, the parents can feel the guy or the gal is 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 reachable and gets a better sense of what the coach is trying to do. As again, as as Jack had said earlier, every coach wants the very best for every kid on the team. I mean, they, they, they don't want, they're not trying to, to uh, push a kid onto the bench and never play him. They're supposed to be right. thinking this is the way it's supposed to be. We want all our kids to succeed. Yes. So, the thing is, it's so important uh, to have communications. I, and that's just, all I have to say. Well, uh, are, you have a nice day. Thanks, Fernand. Thanks for the call. And I agree. It is all about communication. But unfortunately, unfortunately, some parents take that, that – that principle too far, and they say, "Well, I want to communicate. I want to communicate to the coach, and I, and I want to communicate with the athletic director about why my kid is not getting more playing time or why my kid's not starting." That's not the purpose. The purpose is to have an open forum where the coach can express what he or she is thinking and understand the parents and get it back and forth. Look, in basketball, we all know this: only five players play at one time. If there's twelve or thirteen kids in the team, they're not all going to play at the same time. And at the varsity level. The better players are going to play, get more uh, more of the playing time than the kids who are not as good. Now, the user parent might think, well, my kid is a superstar, and the team would win all their games if the coach started my kid. Well, that's going to cause a problem because, honestly, that's just not going to fly with most coaches who do bring a sense of objectivity and a sense of evaluation that, you know, most parents just don't share because you look at your own kid, your own flesh and blood. Let's move on. Let's go to our friend Ed over in Elizabeth. Ed, I'm sure you got some thoughts about this stuff. I sure do. I was. It was funny. I was with, at a Hudson County baseball event last night. I sat with the legendary baseball coach Joe Urbana, which you coached over 30 years at a high school in Hudson County. We were talking about this. Yep. The big issue is, as a coach, you got to stand your ground and 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 believe in your system. When I had my own travel organizations, we we I had player families and they had to come. And I told him flat out, if you embarrass my team or if you want to come and talk to me about playing time and you don't like what it is, especially when it came to talking about playing time, yep. I said, well, here's the situation. We, 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 we sit down with the advisory committee, and the advisory committee is me. And then, and then if you don't like what, what I say, you can leave, but there's no refunds. It's amazing how you don't get no uh, <laughs> backlash from people and all that stuff, when, the minute you say refund and all that stuff. And, I, and they had to sign the contract. Yeah. Plus, when I had my meetings, I used to tell people, you don't like this part that I'm talking about, just walk out the door now, no hard feelings. And then, again, no one, no one left in all that stuff. Well, that, that's the coach a, has – go ahead, Rick, I'm sorry. That's a curious part. When you say – when you have that face-to-face with the parent and you say, look, you know, it doesn't look like your kid's going to be a starter on this ball club. And, you know, that's just the way it's, it's shaking out. And uh, if you'd like to take your son someplace else, no hard feelings, but that's, that's fine. But again, they don't do that. They say, you know, okay, fine, you know, and they, they well, say, it out. and Thursday night, I spoke to an organization I'm coaching with now. We're talking about the recruiting process. When I told them, because we were doing our winter workouts and we have one at 11 o'clock, they have final one before the high school season. When I told them we only have four Division One players in the program, that I think that doesn't mean it's a guarantee. You guys see the eyeballs light up and all that stuff. As they felt like I offended their sons and all that stuff, yeah. which wasn't the case. I've been coaching college for 22 years, as you know, and you know I've, I've seen enough talent that I think is Division One or whatever. But I told the people that that I said that were Division One, I, I said there's no guarantee there, there's interest in Division One right now from from certain schools, but that there is no guarantee that they're going to be, be getting a Division One scholarship. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's that. Of course, they don't hear that part. <laughs> no. Well, well, you know what? I think if, if the coach is a stand-up guy, instead of worrying about um, make, making a buck on travel baseball, which we all do, I'm not going to deny that. You know what? Then then parents will understand and all that stuff, and, and they have a, have a true reality check about their sons and all that stuff. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, Ed, thanks for the call. Have a great day. Good points. Uh, you know, and Ed speaks from experience, and, yeah, this is exactly what goes on. Let's move on to our friend uh, Coach Tom over in North Arlington. Tom, what do you think about parental expectations? Good morning, Rick. Oh, please, the, the parental expectations, just what you said. Every parent thinks their kid is uh, going to get to college and, you know, and, and play. And you know what it is? Obviously, they, they focus on one person. You know, that's, that's you know, the person that they got to keep happy. Yeah. And the way I see it is, you know, the coach and parents are at odds in that the parent cares about keeping their son or daughter happy, that he plays, and hopefully he gets better. Whereas the coach is obviously concerned. I'm talking in high school now. Mm-hmm. Winning, winning. Okay, they want to improve every kid because it's going to help them win. They want team play because it's going to help them win. Here's why I say a parent will call and complain to me about playing time, obviously. You know, uh, my kid's not playing, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. I've never had a parent call and complain that he wasn't improving. Okay? <laughs> you'll, you'll never call a coach say, listen, my kid's not improving, you're not doing nothing to improve him. Just like a parent will call to the school complain about his kid's grades, but you'll never hear a parent call and say, listen, you don't call my kid enough in class and get him to participate. You know, so he can improve him stuff. It's the stuff they don't see. You know, now if everybody improves on my team, which obviously is my goal, okay, well then the pecking order pretty much stays the same, unfortunately for the people who are not playing. Okay, what I used to try to do is halfway through the season, I would have a meeting. And anybody wanted to come, they could come and discuss. They just weren't allowed to discuss playing time. And I would discuss, all right, this is where your kid's improving, you know. And, and that's the type of thing, and this is where he needs to improve. But parents think that that's not part of a coaching job, to improve their kid. They feel that's their job now. It's a little too much knowledge. I can get my kid to hit better. I can get my kid to shoot better. I can get my kid to kick better. Okay, it's your job to play him. So yeah. we can see this. Uh, that's tremendous insight, Tom. And, and uh, yeah, I think that's the that's the issue. The, the 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 parents sort of say, "Okay, I'm delivering the entire package to you, Coach. Uh, the kid's already terrific. Now you just make sure he starts." You know. Yeah, and you know when you talked about like the, the '70s and '60s, you know when, when we parents then had very little knowledge about sports and just assumed the coaches were going to get their kids to play better, and if it was good enough to play, so be it. Yeah. All right. Whereas now, like you said, because of a little bit too much knowledge, you know, listen, I take And by the way, thanks for the uh, the call out a couple of weeks ago. I had a couple of friends call and said you mentioned my name. Well, no, uh, Tom, you always call and you have great, great stuff. And, and uh, I know I very much appreciate your contributions over the years. So thank you for that. Thanks for the promo. <laughs> take care, Tom. Uh, you know, look, the callers on the show for the, the vast majority of people who call in are, are clearly brilliant people, have smart ideas, have given us a lot of thought and consideration, and I'm very much appreciative of it because that makes the show interesting and, and, and gives real perspective and, and depth to it. And Tom, of course, and Ed, the rest of them, these, these are guys who have been in sports all their lives, and they see the same issues that we all see. All right, let me, let me take a timeout. Uh, when I come back, we'll continue talking about parental expectations with their kids in sports and, and what we can do about it. 
Hey, a couple of quick notes here. Uh, first of all, at 9 o'clock this morning, uh, of course, Ed Randall will be on. He'll be talking baseball on this uh, wet uh, Sunday morning, so make sure you stick around for get Ed's uh, great interviews with his various uh, guests. Uh, and as always, I ask you to check out my website and blog at askcoachwolf.com. Don't forget, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. Uh, you can buy it either in print form or an ebook. Uh, and as you know, we get closer to the end of the winter high school season and into spring. Now's a good time to, to get a copy for your son or daughter as they learn more to how to, to uh, prepare for upcoming games with their, their enhanced mental approach. Uh, very quickly, I do want to send out congratulations to North Rockland High School and their ice hockey team, Coach Gary Dorkowitz. Uh, they won their first ever Section 1 championship, uh, defeating, uh, well, you're going to beat some powerhouses. They knocked off Maranek High School and suffering two longtime powers in ice hockey. Uh, Gary Dorkwitz, uh, he runs a, a terrific program, has been there for a number of years. Uh, I got to know Gary a bit when my son played against North Rockland, when my son John was playing over at Byron Hills High School for several years. Again, congratulations to the North Rockland Red Raiders. Okay, we're talking this morning about uh, parental expectations and, and why it sort of kept gets it's out of control. It's gotten to a point now where we're seeing coaches, uh, you know, either being let go or coaches walking away, really good coaches as well. And, and you know, what's going on? In fact, there's another factor in this that uh, I, I, I got an email from, from one listener. We'll call him Greg. And he says in his email, well, the, the real culprits here are the personal trainers. They keep telling these, these parents how great their kids are and how well they're doing, how much they're improving, and how terrific they're doing, they'll do on their high school teams. Of course, if uh, these trainers told, uh, told these parents their kid wasn't terrific, <laughs> that the kid was not improving, the parent wouldn't be coming back next week with their 50 or 75 or, or $100 to pay the trainer. But then reality sets in and the kid isn't a star and isn't getting scholarship offers, or maybe the kid is a high school star but is only receiving low Division One offers, which just isn't good enough for the parents. So what does the, the personal trainer say at this point? Well, it's the coach's fault. If the coach was better, the coach would use your, uh, the coach is using your kid the wrong way. Coach doesn't recognize talent. That's what the parent wants to hear, and now it's time to blame the coach. Uh, and, and again, that's a factor as well we haven't touched upon today, and I, I thank Greg for emailing me. Yeah, that we know that the personal trainers is a, is a thriving industry, and their parents want to see their kids learn to get better, and, and they feel that's going to you know, make them uh, accelerate their, their talent level. The trainers are going to say nice things about the kid and raise the expectations of the parents. Yeah, I think that's a real concern as well. All right, let's get back to our calls. Let's go to... Um, to Gary up in Stamford, Connecticut. Gary, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Great topic. Um, I just want to go over a couple things. Um, I played high school sports in the 1970s, and back then, your parents would never get involved with the coach at all. They were there just to watch the games, and they trusted the coach. Now we move along. I've been coaching since 1980, and you know, as you can see, times have changed where the parents are too involved in the sport. And you know, the new ADs now, they, they're in a very tough position because, you know, their jobs are on the line. A lot of them don't have tenure, and they're under a lot of stress, you know, from the parents. Right. Now, what we do where I coach, uh, we have a big meeting, spring meeting, uh, for all the sports. The AD gets up, gives her a message of the overall uh, sport, you know, what's going to go on this year. And then we break out into our teams and we meet with all the parents and we have contracts and we fill out right 
So we'll see how that goes. But a lot of times they sign the contract, half the parents don't even read it. I was going to say, most of them are just pro forma, the sign, exactly. sure. Exactly. But uh, great show, and uh, I enjoy uh, listening every Sunday. Hey, thank Thanks, you, Rick. Gary. And, and, yeah, that is the concern as well. And I do think that um, it does behoove the coaches and the athletic director to, to take that contract and just say, no, it's not like a standard form. You just don't even read it. Go through it line by line and make sure the parents are paying attention. And, and so that the athletic director, the coach, you got to reinforce this. And that's why I said earlier on the, in the hour, you know, it's not a bad thing to come back to that contract and to have that sort of midseason get together with the parents to say, okay, here's where we are now. Here's what the team's doing. Here's an opportunity, mom and dad. If you have a concern you want to talk about, let's get her on the, on the floor now. I'm not going to talk about playing time for your son or your daughter, but we can talk about other issues that may be bothering you. And, and I think that reality, reinforcing how few kids ever go on to play college sports or pro ball, these are important lessons that have to be hammered in time and time again. Because, again, when we talk about the fact that less than 4% of all high school varsity athletes ever go on to make a college team, the parents assume, well, my kid's one of those 4%. <laughs> that's, that's a faulty assumption that they just can't work from that premise. It's as simple as that. Let's, uh, let's continue. Let's go up to Yorktown. And, and Joe, Joe, good morning. You're on the fan. Rick, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you, Joe? Good. You, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit with your last addition there to it, <laughs> but I want to expand it out wider than personal trainers. I think it's any four-feet person that you go to. They, to me, are one of the biggest culprits out there for all the reasons you just said. But it's not just personal trainers. It's club teams that kids are participating in where, you know, you get all these kids that are, and they go to these tournaments and every kid out there is a star. Every kid out there is Division One material. And the reality of it is, which people are unwilling to accept, is that, no, not every kid out there is and not every kid out there is a star. So that's one component of it. There's also another component where I think the three most abused words in the English language are, it's not fair. And what we have now is we have a lot of societal norms are finding their way into athletics, which really maybe in the past, especially when I was growing up, things that were done are now frowned upon. And I'll use the word loosely like hazing. Now, hazing is a bad thing, so I'm not endorsing it. But there are things that maybe were rites of passages that are now lumped under hazing where you know, you find this, like I said, these societal norms where we don't want to do that. We want everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets treated equally. And that's finding its way into sports. And that's a challenging thing for, for coaches to have to handle. So what I told you, Screener, is that because you, you said it has to stop. And my personal opinion, it's not going to stop until all of the things that are causing it to stop. Parents are not going to stop on their own. If they stop going to all these club programs or they're paying well, unconscionable amounts of money, That'll help stop it because now every kid's not going to be a star. Joe, let me let me just uh, go down that pathway with you for a second about the, the the club teams, the travel programs. One thing that we should make parents aware of if they aren't already, and, and you know the fact is the, the the level of of talent that exists on these travel teams. Travel teams, uh, you know, have different uh, rankings like anything else. I mean, you, your kid might be the star on the local travel team, but the travel team itself is not particularly competitive. But it's still mm-hmm. it's still seen as a travel team. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and and you know, parents say, well, if my kid's a star on on his or her travel team, then they should be a star on their high school team. Doesn't really, or they should be getting a scholarship. It doesn't really work that way. And to your sure. point about it's not fair. Well, you know, back in the day. When a kid felt that uh, that something wasn't fair, that the coach wasn't given a playing time, or they didn't make the team, uh, you know, as, as a freshman or a sophomore, you know, that that 
sentiment of it's not fair translated into, okay, how am I going to cope with adversity? Is this meaningful mm-hmm. to me? Am I going to fight exactly. back? As opposed to saying, well, it's not you, sweetheart. It's the coach. The coach mm-hmm. should be fired. And I think we've lost our way with that. And, and I think that's where parents have to sort of come to grips with the reality that, look, if this is meaningful to you, you're going to have to figure out a way to impress the coach so that the next time he's going to look around and say, oh, this kid actually is, is pretty talented. I do want to keep him on my team. I agree. All right, Joe, That's thank it. you. That's good thank points. You, you bet. Uh, let's, go, uh, let's go to um, Louie uh, in Long Beach, Long Island. Louie, good morning. You're on the fan. Hi, Rick. How are you? Good. Uh, just to mention something, uh, Bob Hirschfield, uh, his daughter played for me on my Long Island Championship lacrosse team. So uh, that brought back a lot of <laughs> memories. Bob's been around. He's a great coach. He is. Good but, guy. Uh, yes. Uh, my way of coaching, I've been coaching for about – 35 years of lacrosse and soccer. My way of coaching is I have a chain of command. If the student has any issue with playing time, they go to the captains first. After that, they come to me. Mm -hmm. And what what I usually do is this. Excuse me. The juniors and the seniors play more. My freshmen and sophomores play less. They know that they have to wait their turn, but they know they're going to get their chance. And what I usually do is in the games – I never put a freshman or a sophomore in the games at the end of a game because I worry about players playing smarter. And uh, my seniors and juniors are, are smarter than my uh, freshmen and sophomores. And uh, this way, you don't put them in a critical situation where they're going to do uh, less. Well, so, that's, uh, well that's, that's a pretty interesting philosophy, Louis. But let me ask you this. You mentioned about if the kid has a concern – about playing time, they first their first stop is to go talk to the team captains, and then if that if not satisfied with that, they then go talk to you. Okay, where do the parents enter in this? Do you just say the parents don't don't bother coming to me? How, how do you talk to the parents? Well, what I explain to the parents is this: this is the kids' team. They have a committee, and the way we use our committee is the captains yep. make a lot of the decisions because they've been around the longest. And they are the best. Not only are they the best, but they're the most responsible people on the team. So we trust their judgment. At the end of practices, usually we talk for five minutes how we can improve. And at the end of the games, we also do the same thing. So we're always, we have a check and balance system where we're always making sure that everybody's giving their best effort and that uh, we all know what's going on on the team. There's no secrets here. Everything's open communication, and, and and I assume I assume of course, Louis, that the kids, the undergrads, you know, they're they're happy with that because they have a chain of command. They can talk to somebody who's a senior, who's a, a leader, uh, and the parents accept this as well. They're okay with this. Yes, they are. I don't have any kids that quit. I've I don't think I've ever had a kid, maybe one year one kid quit in thirty years. Terrific. Because he couldn't take, he couldn't take the conditioning, but uh, regardless, the kids are happy. The parents are happy. Uh, everybody knows they're going to get their chance to play, especially if they're freshmen. They know that their their future is bright. And uh, like I said before, the more they're around, the more they learn, and the better they play on my team. Interesting that philosophy. Louie, thank you. That, that's good to know. Thank you. All right, Rick. Take, Take care. care. Have you a great day. You too. Talk to you soon. Yeah, and you know that that is interesting how, how Louie says, okay, I, this is my game plan. He's done it for a long time. The team, the kids on the team, the younger kids know that they have a problem or a concern. Their first stop is not with the coach, but to go by themselves to the captains who are seniors and, and see what the, the concerns and how that can be worked out. 
And then if there's still a concern, then the kids go to the coach and they talk it out. But he made it sound like it's an all-inclusive, we're here together as kind of a family environment. And, uh, you know, his track record says, you know, we had one kid quit in 30 years. That that sounds pretty impressive. Let's uh, continue our conversation. Uh, let's go to... Um, Let's go to Mike uh, in Fresh Meadow. Mike, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Um, I got three quick concepts. I think, first of all, social media has given uh, access for all parents to believe that they could just say whatever they want. I actually don't believe they know more. I just think they say more. Okay. So, first, and then second of all, I think our pro teams have showed that our coaches aren't as valuable as they used to be. Players appear to be bigger then the coaches on their teams, and that trickles down. And then thirdly, there's no more role players in pro games. You know, our heroes have to be the scorer. When I was a kid, I couldn't score, but I could rebound like Charles Oakley, and I could play D like Starks, and I didn't have to score to feel like I was still a good player. And those are my three points. Well, Mike, those are good ones. Um, yeah, I, I do think that uh, there, there's a sense today that maybe the kids have become, you know, bigger than the coaches or bigger than the team program that, you know, that, that the, and the kids with, with the support of their parents are saying, well, it, it, it's, it's almost like the coach has been sort of made a secondary or a second class citizen. And the coach should be feeling like, well, you know, I, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to coach your kid. Absolutely. They, they have, there's no reverence. I mean, there's nobody who doesn't believe that LeBron James to get his coach fired whenever he felt like. Well, again, that's we're talking at the pro ranks, a little different from the high school or amateur but that's level. That's what the kids are watching. But I, 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 I was just going to say, and Mike, thank you for the call. You know, yeah, that's what kids are watching. That's what they're growing up on. And the whole idea of being a team player at the high school level, perhaps that's beginning to erode away. And and the fact is, no, I'm bigger than the team. And I know what's right as a parent, what's right for my kid. And if the if the if the coach listened to my kid or listened to me, the team would play better. We're going down the wrong pathway with this. It's we really want our kids to learn the right way to be a good teammate and to learn how team play. This I'm thinking about. You know, Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs. They get the idea of, of a quality team and everybody participates and obviously makes a contribution. That's the kind of thing we want for our kids when they play when they play sports. All right, let me take a timeout. I'll come back with more. Stay with me. Big Wolf Sports Radio 1019 FM, FM. Sports Radio 66 WFAN Parental expectations. Obviously, we're going to come back to this topic in the weeks to come. And uh, my thanks to all of you today who chimed in. Uh, terrific insights and, and great conversation. My thanks this morning to Anthony Gallo. Stick around for Ed Randall. He is up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. It is far. It is gone. John Sterling and Susan Waldman are back with more Yankees baseball today at 1255 as the Bombers face the Philadelphia Phillies in Clearwater. Then make sure you're locked in tomorrow and Tuesday for more chances to win Yankees April home game tickets from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. exclusively on your flagship station for the New York Yankees along with Boomer and Geo morning 6 to 10. Beningo and Roberts middays 10 to 2 and the afternoon drive from 2 to 6.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.